Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the 27th episode of the Empowerment Mini Podcast. This is Maureen Quende, your podcast host, learning leader, researcher, speaker, leadership coach, and consultant. First off, I want to thank all of our listeners for joining from all over the world. I'm so, so grateful to you all. So thank you. Gracias. Merci beaucoup. Danke. Um, I just want to thank you so much. This show wouldn't exist without you. So I'm so grateful to you all. So now let me introduce our special guest, Heno Kozia, joining us all the way from Australia. Oh my God, you're so welcome, uh, Heno. Uh, thank you so much for accepting our invitation to be a guest on the show. Wow, I'm so happy you're here with us. And I'm sure our listeners are dying to know who you are. And uh, so please go ahead and introduce yourself how and how you became interested in the field of learning and development. Yeah, thank you very much, Maureen. And thank you for that introduction. And first of all, thank you for having me on your, your podcast. I feel very honored. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to share uh, my experience and everything I've learned thus far with you. Um, yeah, it's been quite a, it's been quite a journey. Uh, for me, I mean, I've always been interested in 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 learning and development from, uh, you know, just self interest. And um, actually, when you know, when I went to university, I, I studied various degrees, but I ended up with a postgraduate degree in journalism, which is a little <laughs> bit further removed from from <laughs> learning and development. Yeah. Um, but then uh, I worked for as a journalist for a short while, but. When I moved, I decided to go overseas for a few years. Initially, actually, I planned to go overseas for six months. I ended up in Vietnam in Southeast Asia, and I ended up staying there for six years. Mm -hmm. um, and it's over there that my interest in, in L&D really sort of took off because um, I realized quite soon when I was there that I wasn't really going to make a decent living as a journalist. So I moved into um, academic English teaching, English preparation for um, students who'd like to go and study at university in, in Australia and English speaking countries. And, and that's sort of where my interest in education and then um, further on in learning and development really um, took off. And that was about 15 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's exciting. It's interesting how um, you're a journalist. I mean, I've shared on this show how, you know, when I was a child, I wanted to become a journalist. And then oh. that dream never happened. And, and that's just because I saw people on TV. It's not because of anything. And through this podcast, I said, well, I have in a way lived that dream. <laughs> yeah, interviewing people. But this is exciting. Wow, what an interesting journey. Um, and thank you so much for, you know, for sharing with us. Now, I know you recently transitioned from higher ed to corporate ID, and, and that can be really exciting. Well, you haven't fully transitioned as you still run a special in interest group in higher ed. And so I say, this is wonderful. So can you share about your journey so far in instructional design? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I, gu I guess I'll pick up where, where I left off with those six years in Vietnam. And, um, you know, I was working um, to prepare these these international students to come and study in Australia to do their degrees in English. And um, and I while I was working there, I met my uh, then, you know, uh, just a colleague, but now my wife, who is from Hi. Australia. 
and she was a co-worker and you know we taught together um for many years and we finally decided to to settle here in brisbane australia in the state of queensland and um I've been working at the University of Queensland, which is um, one of the premier universities here in Australia uh, mm -hmm. for what well, I was working there for, uh, I'd say about seven or eight years, preparing these international students, you know, with their academic uh, preparation and, their, and their, their language skills so that they could be successful at university when mm -hmm. they came from the, from the countries, most of them without, uh, you know, non-English speaking background and so on. Mm -hmm. And um, and I sort of fell into uh, educational technology that way because I've always been interested in educational technology. I've always been good with technology. And um, I, I was sort of, I became the go-to person for these things. And I became the, uh, you know, the, um, the old, um, uh, what's the stereotype of an e-learning department of one, you know, the one person yeah. who, you know, they do this and they do that. And, you yeah. know, the jack of all <laughs> trades and, um, Yeah. And that's sort of how, you know, and, and part, so much of that is, is, is what we do in instructional design. Uh, you know, it's curriculum development. It's, um, you know, there's a lot of um, training involved face-to-face, yeah. -face, but also um, online or asynchronous and so on. So um, I sort of fell into that a little bit. And then my role there became more concrete as uh, the senior teacher for educational technology. And I was lucky enough to work as the, the project lead on a big online project we had going at, the, at that time. It started mm -hmm. in 2015. It was... Um, a massive open online course, a MOOC on the mm -hmm. edX platform. And yeah. it was an um, English academic exam preparation course for these, uh, uh, well, for everyone really all over the world. That's the beauty of MOOCs, right? It's open and it's yeah. for everybody. <laughs> and um, it, it, it turned out to be really successful. We've had, you know, since 2015 up to now, about uh, over a million learners use the course and um, I read recently that it's it was voted number eighth most popular online course of all time so I was very lucky to to be a part of that and part of that um, project taught me a lot of these ID skills project management time management um, you know and then all the various content related skills that you have um, uh, being an ID and um, but Being involved with international students also had its downfall when COVID hit in, you know, March last year because um, Australia had quite a hard policy and they still do have a hard policy with closing mm -hmm. their borders to international students. And basically, um, yeah, they, they, they stopped coming and many of them studied online for a while, but it, it dropped off substantially. And I saw this as the, the opportunity to sort of make what I've been doing you know, bits and pieces of ID and learning experience design and learning design and so on, making it a more of a full-time permanent thing. And that's when I, I made the jump into corporate ID, into, um, you know, uh, jumped over the wall of higher ed into <laughs> the, the, the world of the private sector. <laughs> wow, that's exciting. What an incredible journey, right? And I think you had like the opportunity to just get a taste of it in like before you ever ever made a leap and and so it wasn't as um dramatic like some people they just jumped and so exactly. uh, um you had you had like quite a little bit of a cushion there before actually making the leap so that's awesome thank you thank you for sharing with us
Yeah, I, I know like some people they're you know out there in the field contemplating to join and I know um, and I'm sure you have a few things you wish you knew before becoming uh, getting into this role so looking backwards do you mind sharing for those who are listening and contemplating to join the field what you wish you had known before becoming an instructional design maybe just a couple of things sure sure um I think, you know, for me, a lot of it boils down to, to confidence. You know, we're always second guessing ourselves and thinking we don't have the skills and so on. And one mm-hmm. of the things I realized is that you don't have to have this wonderful big qualification. Um, you know, the world we live in today, I mean, you can tell me if it's different in the States, but at least where, in my experience here in Australia is uh, experience counts for so much. And it doesn't always necessarily have to be parallel you know exactly what they're looking for so many of our skills Mm -hmm. that we have in in other industries and jobs are transferable it's just how you how you frame them right so how you put yourself out there um Mm -hmm. you know so for example you may be a a classroom teacher there's so many of these transferable skills that you could put in your cv such as uh working with various stakeholders managing Mm -hmm. expectations curriculum development uh, working towards and achieving learning outcomes, the list goes on. You know, it's just about framing that in the right way. And, um, you know, whenever someone's offering, putting, you know, jobs out there, they're looking for someone to solve a problem for them. Mm -hmm. And if you can identify and uncover what that problem is and frame your own experience in whatever industry you come from in that way, you stand a very good chance of, of, of getting that job. Um, so I'd say that's the first thing is don't wait till you're massively qualified, start putting yourself out there. And even if you're not successful the first few times, you'll learn from that process. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess there's a couple of other things maybe I'd say is um, if you don't already learn to, to have a thick skin, learn, <laughs> to take, learn to take feedback. Well, luckily, like I said, my, my background was in journalism and you get a lot of feedback, you know, the, the, the editors and the sub-editors are big, thick red pens that they scratch through all of your, your writing. So you have to learn to uh, deal with feedback well and, and, of course, feed it forward. So make sure that you, you learn from that feedback and you apply the learning from it in your, in your future projects and so on. You know, I mean, like the famous quote says, you can, you can please some people sometimes, but you can't please all the people all the time. So there's always going to be people who who won't be 100% satisfied with, with your work. Um, and that's okay, you know, learn to be okay with that, but also learn from that so that you can um, improve and constantly improve on that. Um, anything else I'd say? I'd say one more thing probably is make sure you get some good time management and organizational skills under your belt. Before I was an ID, I didn't realize how much uh, being able to work to a deadline, how much it's appreciated um, by various stakeholders, <laughs> you know, being able to meet a deadline, your clients will love you, uh, the rest of your team will love you, and your project manager will think you're an absolute rock star because you're also making them look good. So, um, you know, being able to, to, to manage your time well and organize everything is is key and of course if you're freelancing you don't have quite as many people 
breathing down your throat or holding your account actually even even harder but that makes time management even more important absolutely i mean you've shared a lot oh my god yeah i was that's that's just fantastic and uh you're right you have to all those i wouldn't add anything to those i mean you just have to be yourself right um there's always some imposter syndrome feeling of not or you're just starting off what you're doing but just believe in yourself you can do it that's just great yeah thank you so now you know i have you know worked in higher ed and corporate and you know government different ID, ID, uh, you know, uh, groups and positions. And I can say that even though the title, they might be the same, but what I've known is that um, the ID in higher ed and corporate is so different. Um, it's normal to use tools like on Storyline, um, you know, as an instructional design in corporate, but in higher ed, you might never even get to use anything like that. So uh, many people always you know, when you're an ID, you know, your tasks are the same and your job is the same, not necessarily. There's just so different depending on your audience. So I know you have experience in both worlds as well. And uh, would you agree? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think you can ask 10, 10 IDs in um, the corporate world what they do day to day, and they'll all give you a different answer. And likewise, in higher ed, you know, they're all going <laughs> to give you a different answer. It all depends on the context and the resource available and the projects you're working with and the team and so on. But um, I think as a sort of general um, observation, um, I, I would say they are quite different in the sense that uh, in higher ed, what I've experienced, it it tends to be a little bit more learner-centered in terms Mm -hmm. of what you're creating. You're creating learning experiences to not just transfer knowledge and so on, but you're actually setting Mm -hmm. learners up, teaching them how to learn, learning how to learn. And you're Mm -hmm. setting them up as lifelong learners. So, I mean, lots of people will disagree with me. So, well, you know, universities and higher ed, they're there for, you know, creating graduates to get jobs and to be job ready. Yes, that Mm -hmm. is one piece of the puzzle, but you're also setting them up to be lifelong learners. And so I find that what you're creating and designing in higher ed is very learner centered and it's based Mm -hmm. on a lot of um, theory, a lot of learning science. And um, the corporate world I found is a little bit different. You know, the business outcomes is king. And everything is under that. So, you know, you need to achieve whatever X, Y, Z business outcomes there are. And, um, you know, what, whichever way you go about that, that that's fine. Um, the learner itself or themselves, they sort of come second to that. So I find it's a little bit of a different angle that you're approaching it from, mm-hmm. um, which also means that... I, I find um, corporate ID a little bit more challenging because you've got to you've got to uncover the problem a bit more. You know, with higher ed, it's clear what you're dealing with. You've got to, you know, you've got these things you've got to deal with. But yeah. sometimes clients and and, and um, stakeholders don't always know exactly what the problem is. They know they want training, and they know they want it to be engaging or interesting or whatever it might be, but they don't know exactly what problem they're trying to solve so therein lies the challenge there um so yeah yeah coming back to your initial question i would say they are quite different and you know having um skills with certain tools it's not a prerequisite always absolutely um, but it will depend on the context 
Yes, totally. And so when people are thinking, oh, well, you know, they're because you're an ID, you know, your experience is going to be the same across the board, not necessarily. Um, you might be, you know, working so hard to get uh, learning this tool, that tool, but you might not even ever use it because, you know, instruction exactly. design is learning the foundation in itself, and then you can always add the, the other things. Yeah, it's like exactly. putting it back before the horse, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the in my current role that I'm in, I'm, you know, we I'm lucky enough to have a team that I've got an e-learning developer who who uses Storyline and those tools, and I've got a, you know, motion designer on my team, and I've got a, an illustrator, and I can purely focus on on the content, on the learning experience, and um, you know, scripting and all of those things. So. Um, mm -hmm. It really just depends on, on on what's available and what's expected. Yeah, that's great. Wow. I just want to thank you so much. You have ordered, you have given us a lot of golden nuggets here. So mm -hmm. I just want to thank you. And I know people might be thinking, oh my God, he's really great. How do I get to connect with him? So where how can someone reach out to you? I mean, is LinkedIn your your preferred option? If someone would like to just um, you know, maybe just chat more about this conversation. How can yeah, they yeah, absolutely. You can reach me on LinkedIn. Um, you okay. know, just search for my name. There's there's not it's quite a unique name, so there won't be too <laughs> many of my names that come up. Um and yeah, you mentioned the special interest group that I'm involved in. It's um it's for higher ed and educational technology, specifically for for um language teaching. But we we've got a lot of IDs and learning designers who've joined the group too. So if you go onto LinkedIn or Facebook and you just search for English Australia um, EdTech special mm -hmm. interest group, it'll come up and feel free to come and join and. Uh, we've got a thriving community there and you know it's um it's all about um supporting each other and building a good community of practice so you're welcome to come in and find find me there i'm i'm one of the founders and conveners so i'd be happy to see you there that's great thank you for sharing that with us and uh, i'll be checking it out too so thank you well i mean we've come to the end of this podcast and uh we always wrap up the podcast with our signature question what does empowerment mean to you? Um, so if, if it depends on who's on the show, if it's a learning leader, if it's a leadership coach, whoever asked them what it, what it means to them. So in this case, I want to ask you what empowerment means to you as an instructional designer. Yeah, thanks. That's a, that's, you know, it's a really interesting question. I think it can be answered in lots of different ways, but I think for me, empowerment and coming from this background of, of learning science and uh, higher ed and so on, I, I come back to this theory of, of self-efficacy and motivation. You know, there's this famous um, theory of self-determination theory from Desi and Rye and, 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 the, and for them, you know, building or supporting the, um, the, the conditions of autonomy, relatedness mm -hmm. and competency really uh, fosters high levels of motivation and performance and also I believe empowerment so if you as an instructional designer can design learning experiences that connect and uh, that relate to your learner that um, that taps into their competencies mm -hmm. and also that you know uh, gives them the reins gives them autonomy to complete um, you know, different experiences in their own ways. I think that will empower them. And for me, that's one way of measuring empowerment. 
that's powerful i mean i wouldn't add nothing to that thank you so much for coming on the show and for dropping these golden nuggets um you know i just thank you so much for you shared so much with us today and uh, we truly appreciate you uh i just want to wish you the best in your id journey in your personal and professional journey your family as well thank you for making the time all the way from australia to share with us we're grateful to you and uh I'm thankful to you, Hannah, wishing you the best. Thank you so much. And to our listeners out there, thank you for tuning in and uh, I'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye.